All right, welcome to Love Rice. Here we are, and uh, welcome to our podcast about all things betrayal, trauma, and recovery, and life, and all of the fallout that happens, and the recovery that happens for each of us as we walk through this path. And so my name is Jenny. I'm a therapist down in Arizona, and this is Dr. Kevin Skinner. And we're here today, we're going to talk about a topic that comes up a lot, and it's very nuanced, but it's the topic of recovery and relapse. So what does it look like? What happens when it goes sideways? How do I feel? What do I notice? What do I do? You know that, Jenny, I often find that individuals, um, the betrayed spouse, they have questions like, is, you know, I can't deal with relapse but is it normal or does it, does it happen? And if it does happen, how should I respond? Right. And, and so I think we have to take into account that um, there's a lot of questions is relapse normal for the recovery process. And that's really, I think the question that a lot of people are asking and, and it makes sense to me. It's because some people will say, well, it, it's a normal part of the recovery process. I'll give you an example. I was doing some research on cigarette smoking cessation. Now, that may sound a little strange, but I was trying to learn about addiction and addiction recovery and what we're learning about in tobacco and nicotine and alcohol and drugs, because those fields are much further ahead than we are when we talk about sexual compulsivity or sexual addiction. So I'm I'm, I'm preparing to do this uh, information on smoking and the average smoker, do you know how many times they try? and fail and try and fail and try and fail. How many times does the average smoker try to stop smoking? Oh gosh, I could only imagine. So the average is somewhere between 11 <laughs> to 14 times, right? So 11 to 14 times. So what the researchers have found is that it's normal for them to, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Relapse. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. Relapse. And, and, and putting a plan in place, relapse. So we know historically that if a person truly has a, what we would refer to as clinically a dependency upon a, an, 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 a drug or a process addiction like gambling or sexual behaviors, Behavior. it, may take, it may take time to distance themselves from that as uh, Dr. James Prochaska says, it may take time for them to remove themselves from that behavior. Now that doesn't work when it has to do with affairs and sexual nope. betrayal. That doesn't That's work exactly very what well. I was thinking. Mm-hmm. That doesn't well, work yeah. very well. I mean, yeah. So, so, okay. I say, if you relapse, then our marriage is over. Well, I'm not going to deal with another affair. Nope. That's just part of my process. It doesn't work very well. So now let's, talk about say pornography right is that a normal relapse start learn succeed as we would say say nicotine and i don't know the answer to that because the reality is we don't have enough information to say like they do with drugs and alcohol we know that the average person starts stops starts stops and then eventually uh they succeed. So here's the number that they came up with. 5% of people go cold turkey. 95% of people relapse, make progress, relapse, make progress, or 
don't make progress, re relapse, hit the rock bottom, come up and learn. It, it, and so the research would say that it's a process, not an event. Yeah, which the human side of me can have compassion for. You know, I get what it's like to try to change something, do something. And, and I can't imagine something as difficult as an addiction. The uh, betrayed spouse side of me is thinking, <laughs> that's not going to work. You know, and, and maybe we even say, you know, just because, and this is like something that comes up a lot, just because it's an addiction doesn't mean you are required to stay or required to wait or required to um take your time or be patient or any of the other bazillion things. If you want to, yes, you can. If you don't want yeah. to, you don't owe, you don't owe the process anything. Yeah. And, and I love the way you close that, the, the process, right? Recovery is rarely an event. Rarely do people, and I've seen it. I've seen people walk away from a behavior, but more often than not, they still have to unlearn the habits or the patterns that got them into the addictive behaviors. Mm -hmm. So the relapse recovery process, uh, uh, again, no betrayed spouse is going to say, yeah, you've got five freebies. If you relapse the sixth time I'm done. <laughs> I mean, maybe. Right? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Maybe. Maybe there's but someone out there, but right. Most of us are like, uh, this experience. has to stop. Right. This has to stop and this has to stop now. And you need to put everything you have into it. And this needs to get figured out because I can't live this way. And quite frankly, for the betrayed spouse, the recovery process can be extremely brutal emotionally. Right. So it is just up and down. And that's why the recovered or the betrayed spouse's personal work is so essential. If you decide, even if you don't decide to stay, it's so essential. But if yeah. you stay, how do I stay in a place where? this other person is up and down and left and right. And I don't know what to expect. Yeah. And, and let, let me address a couple of things there. Um, because we're talking about the, the betrayed spouse's response. I think it's really important for all of us to understand, as you said earlier, you don't have to stay. You can stay and observe the recovery process or lack thereof with your own boundaries. Or you can say, I can't deal with this. It's too much. And I can choose to leave the relationship. But if you choose, choose intentionally with boundaries and what your purpose and staying to see is. Mm -hmm. It's when we don't have clarity. It's when we're, it's ambiguous that we have the deeper problems because I so think true. that you're, I think you're done. I think you're done. I think you're done. You know what? I, you work your recovery. And I'm going to work my recovery and my healing and I'm going to have boundaries. And those boundaries are going to be clear. If there's a relapse, this is how I'm going to respond for my well-being. Uh, whatever you choose to do uh, in your recovery process, getting a sponsor, getting an accountability team, being, being open and willing to share relapses with me. My expectations are if you have a relapse, I need to know. Right. I'm not going to I'm not going to take um, my, my opinion. If I were in that case, I'm not going to take secrets and I'm not going to take hidden behaviors. If I find you're deceiving me, I'm going to pull away because I don't know if I can trust you. Yeah. Right. These are boundaries. That's actually one of my favorite boundaries. My favorite one of my favorite boundaries when I boil it down is if I feel safe, I'll come close. If I don't, mm -hmm. I won't. Yeah. Yeah. So for, for me. I want everyone to understand that 
that recovery process and the relapses that are part of it, I'm not, you're, you're, I'm going to have my boundaries related to relapses. But if, if, and there's certain boundaries that they're just not negotiable, right? If you choose to say, for example, you choose to have, continue having affairs or in an affair, I, I, I can't negotiate very well with that. Right. Now contrast that if you struggle with pornography, masturbation, I still might not want that. I still might choose to say, look, that's too much for me. I can't do that. But I've seen people say, I understand that you were introduced at age 11. I understand that it's been with you for 20 years. I just expect that you're going to be working on it and you're going to have accountability. You're going to have a sponsor and, and you're going to be open to any relapses. And, and that for me speaks volumes to a person saying, I'm, I'm going to watch and observe and I can't promise because I don't want that in our lives. Mm-hmm. So for I me, can't that's, promise, that's right. I love that. Uh, I'll I watch, I'll observe. Yeah, because that's really the process of the betrayed spouse. I'll watch, I'll observe, I'll put my feet on the ground, I'll get real clear about what's going on inside of me, and I can't promise that I'll stay or not stay. But I can work with someone that is doing work. And that's what I hear from most people. They say, you know what, I can work with them if they're doing something. Yeah. So, so again, going back to what we often get asked the question, you know, you know, what do I do with a relapse? Well, the first part of it is, is you need to establish what your boundaries are around relapses. And, and are relapses normal or common? They are basically in most cases that people, in fact, let me give a couple of examples of that. The first has to do with pornography. And in my experience is if a person's done something a thousand times, 5,000 times, just walking away from that behavior, it, it's going to take work. And, and it's not just about the behavior. It's about the fat mental fantasies in their minds. So the recovery process is not just stopping the behavior. It's, it's being aware of, wait, these fantasies are in my mental background and I've got to clear them out as well. And that's the work of recovery. Because I could fantasize all day long in my mind, that's getting the chemical relapse anyway. But nobody sees that. We don't talk mm-hmm. about it. So, so changing the brain patterns requires time. And so I fully expect that there are going to be learning experiences to get away from those environments and people are going to be weak and they're going to mentally relapse. But my question is, are they being accountable for them? Are they talking with their sponsor about them? Uh, so they're dealing with a fantasy that what we call the preoccupation, not just the behaviors. And so when we talk about the recovery process, we just have to expect that it's going to take time. And in, in, in the heart, we see the shift in the heart. That's what real recovery looks like. It's a shift in the heart. More present, more accountable, less gaslighting more kindness, more connection. So as the betrayed spouse is able to watch, if they decide to do that, observe, those are the things they're going to see. Is my partner reaching out, getting help, moving forward, taking accountability, being honest, working some more, trying again? You know, and this is, this is a, I agree with you. I think that's exactly right. And one thing I think that is a real poignant question here is as the betrayed spouse who has decided to stay and observe, how in the world 
do you get grounded without riding their roller coaster? If you're on an mm. addict's roller coaster, you're going up and down too. How do you find your, I call it, you know, I can find my calm in the chaos. How do you find, how do you stay in that calm in the chaos? Yeah, and now you're talking about a, a skill of the betrayed, mm-hmm. right? Because it's about the emotional reactivity of, of just the hypervigilance, the anxiety that comes with the relapse. And you're showing the symptoms, you know, your body language, your energy tells me you're relapsing. And, and the person may say, no, I haven't relapsed. But in the background, they may not be talking about the battle that they're fighting inside. No, I haven't acted out, mm-hmm. but I'm fighting a battle inside. And, and, and so mm-hmm. I can jump on that roller coaster because I'm detecting your emotions. If there's one thing I know about betrayed partners, um, spouses, good grief, they are emotional barometers are off the charts high and often very accurate. Like, right. it's, I mean, they have this sense of, oh, wait, wait, wait you sneezed wow. the wrong way. We've been trained, you know, to know things, <laughs> to pay attention to the little bits and pieces, to be the human lie detector, right? And those aren't the little ones. They're, they're often right. And so what I tell people is during that process, you, if you're doing your own self-care, if you're doing things to regulate and deal with your own emotions, you may observe it. You may point it out. But, but here's where the couple's work comes in. Your spouse needs to recognize, I, what are you detecting that I may be missing? And, and, and I often find that they won't go there. It's like, what are you talking about? I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. What do you, I haven't relapsed. Defense and and, and right. that denial rather mm. than, and this is where we work with a person who's been acting out is I wonder what they're observing because maybe there's an energy in me that I need to be more aware of. And so I tell my clients in that case, one of the best things they can do is listen to the other emotional barometer in this relationship. It's a gift right? What are these emotions? And instead of feeling attacked, maybe it's a learning Mm. experience for both of you. Mm. So in other words, if my partner notices something, mentions something, says something to me, here's a moment that I can pause and I can say, okay, what is that? What is it that you're seeing in me that I'm not noticing? And you, and this is where, like you're saying, the couples begin to work together instead of against each other. Mm-hmm. It's more of, instead of observing, we're stepping into it. Instead of working on their recovery alone, they're stepping into it. Because I often hear, what are you talking about? I haven't relapsed. And, and, and they feel shame or, or blamed or accused. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. saying, let's pause here and learn. What, what is it that is there? What energy am I putting out? What is this? And, and let me learn. And because I, maybe you're more as attuned to my emotions as maybe I am. And, and so this is a thing that I try to teach my clients is you've got a, a, a more than one emotional barometer in this relationship, yours personally, but your spouse's matters. And when they come to you that way, they may be detecting something that could be a gift for you. But if you become defensive, then it even gets worse. And maybe what they were detecting is that you were, you were a little bit vulnerable with temptation and they, they sensed it and you ignored them because, or felt blamed and then go, went and acted out because you felt accused and felt justified in the behavior, right? Well, if you think I'm going to relapse, I might as well go relapse. Do you see the pattern there? Mm-hmm. And we're trying to break patterns in relationships. And that really that pattern is being, I'm going to use my word, humble enough to say, you know what? You might be right. I have been dealing with some battles. 
and it has been harder. And man, you've got a detector. And let me take this opportunity to, to check in and to talk to you about it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I, I think that if we can get couples to that place, and that's a mature place. I, I'm talking that's about a mature, mature couple there. That's right? so but, true. Because let's throw that out there. Because it's not for the newly, it's not for the newly discovered, it's not for the volatile, it's not for the abused, it's not for um, right the manipulated. It is for the couple that has worked hard on themselves and is ready to begin the process of coming together. And the person who can hear that is not running into their shame. They're not running into their, that behavior of, oh, man, you're blaming me. They're mature mm -hmm. enough to say, you have information that I should pay attention to. And again, that's work that needs to be done on both partners, right? If I come at you and say, I know you've relapsed. I know that you've done this. I know this. I know this. Well, my energy is going to push you away in the first place. Right. So even there, the work that the betrayed does is actually most effective when they do it in a way that can be heard. I'm sensing, I'm wondering, am I off? And that's where the betraying spouse, they cannot use a lie there because gaslighting mm -hmm. in that moment, gaslighting in that moment's really hard to repair because it keeps. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to slow that down and back that up. Okay, repeat. <laughs> Gaslighting is really hard to repair. When you've been, oh, no, I'm not, I'm, no, I wasn't even thinking about it. Come to find out that I've been battling and battling and battling and I relapsed three days later. I, and I've seen this in clients, right? I've seen it. Those are the harder ones because gaslighting harms relationships. Especially, and I think this is kind of what you were saying, especially in the moment where the betrayed is coming with softness and vulnerability mm -hmm. and reaching out to her partner saying, do you hear me? Are you here for me? And you mm -hmm. get responded with a gas gaslighting. And let's just do a quick definition. Gaslighting for those of you that don't know. Deception, minimization, hiding secrets, lies, blaming, denial. Denial. No, no, no. I don't know what you're talking about. I, I didn't do that. Blame. You know, I, I, yeah, I have been looking, but you know, it's because we haven't had sex in a week. Minimization. It was just a little when in reality it was hours and hours. I clicked on it and then I clicked off when I saw what it was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so we, we we're looking at that context, and that's 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 really gaslighting. It, it doesn't work for relationships. It's just absolutely hurtful. And and like you were saying, in that very vulnerable moment when the betrayed is deciding deciding, okay, I can stand on my own two feet. I can reach out in the hopes of being heard, and then we're hit with some gaslighting. Boom! It's like Boom. like you said, it is incredibly difficult to repair that. Yeah. And, and not that it can't be, it's just, it takes longer. I mean, until that behavior stops, connection is very limited. Right. Because what's going to happen now? The betrayed spouse going to be like, okay, it off, turning into the iceberg, shutting off, turning down, going away. Or, or, or turning up the or, fire and being, or being turning a up the heat. Mm -hmm. Or what else do we do? I mean, all kinds of responses to that kind of stuff. Which, chasing, which again chasing. is the fight or flight response. I mean, that's by mm -hmm. protection, protection, protection. 
And, and as, a, as a marital therapist, I tell people these patterns don't work. You can keep doing them and you can stay married, but there won't be a connection. There can't be because the foundation is always safety. No safety, no connection. No safety, no trust. And, and so if we're going to help people understand that we're really talking as much about transparency and openness and the ability to connect. And when those things are happening, when a person can say, you know what, it has been a hard few days and, and you know what, your, your, your emotions are spot on, man, that, that, that I, I call that mature, but I also call that recovery. It's recovery. To be able to acknowledge and admit, yeah, it's been hard. I've been tempted. Um, and, and you know what, it's been a harder day. And I, I, I talked with my sponsor, I talked with my accountability team, and uh, it's been a hard, hard day or two. And I just want to acknowledge, you know, for the betrayed spouse, it's incredibly difficult, especially if there's been that manipulation, the gaslighting, like you're talking about, to trust when they do validate what's happening. There's yeah. a little bit of like, a, uh, can I trust that? Can I trust that that's real? And, you know, the only way to figure it out is to practice that. Yeah. And, and again, that this is, we're talking about mature couples who've been working their stuff. And because in the beginning, most couples I find don't do what we're talking about. It takes time. It takes dealing with your own shame. Mm -hmm. Yep. Dealing with all of that stuff, all of the barf that comes out initially. And it might take, it might take a lot. (laughs) I mean, what else am I going to call it? I can call some other things that might not be as radio friendly bar, bar, but, barf is probably really appropriate there. that's good it's all the barf that comes out you know and one of the things that we uh that we had a reader write in about was hypervigilance and i know you mentioned that today and we you know a, a very nice segue from recovery and relapse and what it could look like in a healthy way we can move into that idea of what does hypervigilance look like because i mean how many of us are hypervigilant when we discover these kind of behaviors in our relationship? I mean, one thing I often say is, well, how else are you supposed to respond? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think in our next podcast, we should probably address that topic of hypervigilance. And, and, and if you're listening to this and you don't really know hypervigilance definition, it, it's that time where your mind doesn't let things go. It stays stuck on this place of checking information, you're constantly looking and looking and looking, uh, checking your phone, checking where they're at, check, 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 overwhelming to the mind. It's really a form of anxiety. And and I'm getting stuck on what I'm trying to protect myself is really what I'm doing. Am I safe? Am I safe? Am I safe? Am I safe? And we'll talk a little bit more about that in our next podcast. Yeah, that hyper alert to every red possible flag or pink flag. or gust yeah. of wind or poof of whatever <laughs> or legit real thing. So yeah, it runs the gamut. So yeah, let's talk more about that next time. I think um, this was a good discussion about relapse recovery, what it could look like, how it might look if it feels healthy. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's All always right. good to be with you and our listeners. And uh, if you have questions, what, what's the best way for them to get a hold of us, Jenny? It's hello at bloomforwomen.com. <laughs> Yeah. Hello at bloomforwomen.com. We always appreciate your questions. And thank you for those who have reached out already. It's been really nice reading your messages, hearing your thoughts. Uh, We want to know what we're getting right and what we're not quite getting right. And we want to hear what you need in the community. So appreciate you. And uh, thank you for spending a few minutes with us here in the Love Rice world.